Whew, amen, amen, amen. I missed that last week. I missed that. Uh, being here with you guys, uh, it, was, it was good to be away. Our family enjoyed vacation, but uh, we, we certainly missed being with you guys. I, I had to cheat and watch the early service on the live stream. So uh, there in the, in the condo there in Branson. And so, uh, but man, David Smith did a great job. If you were here last week, he did a great job. And his message really fit in with, with our whole sermon series. Uh, it really fit in well as we talk about the kingdom of God. And guys, we're going to continue that this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 44. Uh, and, and we're going to read just three verses together. But before we get into all that, I would like us to pause and pray. So uh, pray with me this morning, if you don't mind. Father, um, thank you for your goodness and thank you for your love and thank you for your presence with us. God, I'm so thankful for the promise of your word that there is a special manifestation of your spirit when your saints gather together to worship your name. That when two or more are gathered, you, you, you make your presence known amongst us. And God, we just declare we have felt your presence this morning. And Lord, we we don't want that to stop when the singing stops. Now as we open your word, we pray that we would continue to feel your presence amongst us in a special way. And so we pause and we invite our teacher to come and to join us. Holy Spirit, we recognize you're the teacher of this church. We ask you to take your place in our pulpit. We ask you to lift up and exalt King Jesus. Jesus, help us see you clearly. Holy Spirit, teach us the word of God from the inside out that we might want Jesus more than anything else in this world, more than anything that calls our name, that tries to grab our attention, that we would want King Jesus more than anything else. God, we pray this morning, may your kingdom come as our kingdom goes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, well... uh, it has been uh, two weeks since I've been with you, and I just want to reset the stage. Just a very quick recap. Uh, when we study the kingdom of God, when we run across that term in Scripture, remember, uh, primarily it refers to two different R words. The one that it means most of the time when you find it in the Old Testament or the New, uh, it is, is usually referencing God's reign. Reign, right? God's right to rule over us. So typically, when you come across the, the phrase kingdom of God, that's what it means. It means God has the right to rule over you because he made you. And, and so it's typically just talking about God's, God's rule over everything he's created. But the second one, Jeff, Jeff said it out there, the second one is, is it talks about God's realm. That's the other R word. And, and usually in scripture, it's talking about the future realm. And so we, we hear that the kingdom is coming and that there will be a day when the kingdom comes and, and there'll be no more death, there'll be no more pain, there'll be be no more divorce, there'll be no more disease, and we go, yes, Lord, we want that day when, when there's no more weeping or crying, there's no need for a son because God's glory is there, and, uh, and so we, we long for that day, and, and, and we look forward to that day, but, um, but we know that in the person of Jesus, something miraculous happened, and so in the person of Jesus, the future kingdom, the future realm of the kingdom of God has actually come and invaded this present evil age. And so this is kind of this, this time we're talking about. And, uh, and, and so, Ricky, hey, will you, will you bring down me in the mains just a little bit, just in the mains, just so I, I'm getting a, a hair of feedback, and it's driving me crazy. So, uh, 
All right, so don't, don't take me all the way down, Ricky. Don't take me all the way down, bro. I, I, I got to have voice for the second service, okay? And so, uh, so guys, that's primarily what it's dealing with. So, it, so we're in this place right here, and when we come to Matthew chapter 13, we're kind of learning what does the, 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 the reign of, of God mean in now, right, in, in, in the present realm, and what does that look like? And, and so specifically this morning, I want to talk to you about, about why it's so important that we talk about these things, because uh, we're going to talk about the value of the kingdom of God, okay, uh, what the kingdom is worth. And so guys, if you have your Bibles, I'm in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, we're going to read all of, uh, we, we're doing two parables and three verses, that's it. Two, two whole parables and three verses, and uh, then we're going we're, we're gonna to talk about what all that means. I've got three things I want to share with you. So here is what the Word of God says. It says, uh, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. And then in his joy, he goes and he sells everything he has, and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in, in a search of fine pearls. And when he found one priceless pearl, he went and he sold everything that he had, and he bought it. Okay? And so, guys, uh, I want to remind you, these are parables. Okay? And, and parables are, are just very simple stories or illustrations. They are, they are meant primarily to teach one major point. Okay? You're not, you're not supposed to take a parable and try to pick apart every single thing and, and try to make it mean something. That's not the point of a parable. It's here to teach us one major point. For instance, Jesus is not in any way inferring that salvation or entrance into the kingdom of God can be purchased. Okay? So if, if you don't understand that a parable teaches one primary point, then you, you go, okay, I've got to sell everything that I have, and, and, and that's, so, so, so then I can purchase my way somehow into the kingdom. I can pur- like, that's not what Jesus is teaching. We know that because the Bible clearly tells us, Ephesians 2, 8, that it's by grace that we're saved. Right through faith, and that it's a gift of God. There's nothing we can do. There's no work we can do to earn it. So we know that. We just have to remind ourselves of that when we come into parable, that we don't uh, misinterpret those things. And so the main point, of course, of both of these parables is the exceeding value or worth of the kingdom of God. And that exceeding value of the kingdom of God, worth of the kingdom of God, um, specifically uh, in the person of Jesus Christ, is what I want to talk to you about this morning. So three things I want to share with you very quickly. And here is the first. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I want you to know this morning that by grace, the kingdom of God is revealed both to those who seek it and to those who stumble upon it. Okay? By grace, the kingdom of God is revealed both to those who seek it and to those who stumble upon it. So before we talk about um, what, what these two individuals in these parables have in common, which is what they do when they realize uh, the, the treasure of the kingdom of God, they go and they sell everything. Before we talk about what they do that they have in common, we have to talk about what the differences that they have because they're there on purpose. Jesus often taught in these dualities. He wanted you to see both sides. And so we focus on what they had in common, but we also want to think about what was different about the two of them. And, and, and so, uh, and I, I want to warn you, this is one of those truths that the religious folks of Jesus' day didn't like this teaching. Okay. And, and so for some of us, we've been doing church for a while and we get to this kind of teaching and it makes us a little uncomfortable too. We go, wait, hold on a second. It should be harder than that. And, and, and so I, I, I just kind of want you to see those things this morning. And so, uh, so I, I want to start two individuals. Let's look at uh, the second one first in verse 45 and 46. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And when he found one priceless pearl, he went and he sold everything that he had and he bought it. So the first individual that, that, that Jesus kind of, uh, that I want us to look at, it's the second one Jesus shows. But the first one I want to I talk about is, is this guy whose job is to go and, and seek out precious pearls. Like that, that's his job. 
His whole job is, is, is literally to wake up every day and, and, and to go to every place, search high and low, and, and to find uh, fine pearls is what the text says. That is his job. And so this first guy is a searcher. He is seeking, right? But then we have the other guy talked about in verse 44. It says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and then reburied. And then in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he, he, uh, that he has so that he can purchase the field. So the, so, so the first guy, I, which is the second guy Jesus talks about, but, but one guy is is a searcher. He's a seeker. And then we have this other guy. He's not a searcher. He's not a seeker. He's a stumbler, right? He just stumbles upon the, the treasure. He's just kind of out in the field and he stumbles across it. We know that because the word in the Greek uh, found, that a man found a treasure and reburied it, um, it can sometimes occasionally mean to, to search and find, but primarily, usually, literally, that word should be translated as follows, to come upon or to find without previous search. That's what the word means. This guy is out in the field without previously searching for treasure, and he runs across the treasure. So we have two guys that are different. We have one guy, his job is to seek, his job is to find, his life is all about seeking, and then you have another guy who just stumbles upon a treasure. And Jesus wants you to see um, both of these men, right? He wants you to see the differences. One man spends his life searching He finds a great treasure. The other literally stumbles upon it. And friends, there's a word for that in the Bible. It is called grace. It's called grace. Jesus teaches another parable about the kingdom in Matthew chapter 20, where he wants to highlight this thing called God's grace. And he says, hey, there's a there's a vineyard and there's an owner and he needs some people to work it. And so he goes out and he finds workers and the workers come in. He says, hey, here's what I'm going to pay you. And it's a very good wage. And the guys are like, yeah, man, I'm in. I'm going to work all day. And about halfway through the day, I need some more laborers. So he brings those guys in. And then finally, even last hour, there's one hour left. The very last hour, the worker uh, or the owner of the vineyard brings in some more workers and Finally, at the end of the day, when all the work is done, he pays every single laborer the same amount. And the people that had been working uh, the whole day, that would represent us in our whole life, were really upset that the people that only worked an hour got paid the same wage. And so the owner of the vineyard tells them a very important lesson that really is what Jesus is teaching here. And it's this, who are you to tell me what to do with my treasure? Who are you to tell me how I should spend my treasure? It's my treasure, right? And so here we have two guys, radically different backgrounds. One is a searcher. He spends his whole life seeking after uh, this priceless uh, or, or these fine pearls. And you have another guy who just stumbles upon the treasure, and you're supposed to go, wait a second, there's a difference. And so some of you, um, listen, we, we fall into one of these two camps. Some of you are here this morning, and you have spent your whole life in church. And you have spent your whole life doing um, godly things, right? You spent your whole life. And, and so, uh, listen, what happens, okay, and we don't even see it. What happens is sometimes new people find the treasure that we found long ago, and it just seems that they just get to come in and sit in our place. They get to come in, and now we're singing different songs. Right? They get to come in, and our world changes. And we begin to say, wait a second, that's, that's not fair. And God says, wait, who are you to tell me what to do with my treasure? I'm the one that leaves the 99 to go find the one, right? So we have this constant reminder. We have to be reminded of. So guys, the first thing I just remind you of is grace, right? Neither individual deserved to find a priceless treasure. You guys follow me? No, nobody deserved to find, but by grace they did. 
And, and we have to be reminded, that's the same is true, that we're here because of the grace of God, not because of anything that we've done, not because of anything that we deserve, right? By grace, God reveals the kingdom both to those who are seeking after it and to those who stumble upon it, and we've got to be okay with that. In fact, we've got to embrace that. We have to go, yeah, that's my story, all right? So that's the first thing. Second thing I want you to see in this text this morning is this, and it's really more of a warning. Guys, I want you to know that there are many fine pearls in this life, but there is only one that is priceless, right? There are many fine pearls in this life, but there's only one that is, is priceless. And again, verse 45 and, and 46, I want to read to you. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And when he found one priceless pearl, he went and he sold everything that he had and he bought it, right? This man is in search of fine pearls, That is his occupation, and I'm going to tell you, it's also his preoccupation. Because if that is your job in life, you lay awake at night thinking, uh, when will I find my next find, right? When, When will I find that next pearl that is going to make everything okay? When will that happen? And this is where we should start seeing ourselves in the story, because the truth is many of us lie awake at night believing that we will find that next thing that will bring us contentment, right? When I get that, then I'm going to be okay. When, when, when I get that raise, then we're going to be okay. When I build that house, then everything's going to be fine. When, when, I, when I do this, it's going to be, if I, if I vote for the right person, we get enough people in the Supreme Court, like, then everything's going to be okay. If, if that next thing, and so what I'm going to tell you is that next thing, many of those are fine pearls, but they are not pearls of great price. And we have this, this tendency to confuse the two. So some of us lie awake at night, and, and the thing that we think about, right, is, is am I good enough? Am I good enough? And, and, and so, so, listen, one of the pearls that's fine but it's not priceless is religion. Just going to tell you, and, and, and we, we know this when we study the life of the Apostle Paul. You study the life of the Apostle Paul and you find out very quickly that dude was probably the most righteous guy on the face of the planet, yet he had no problem killing all kinds of Christians. And so what we learn, guys, is what we should know is, is listen, religion in of, in of itself has a payoff. I don't want you to be mistaken, right? Religion will make you a better person. It will. Like, I mean, so, so you kind of get religious, and all of a sudden you're like, I mean, I'm going to show up at church, and I'm going to look like church folks, so I'm not going to drink as much, I'm not going to cuss as much, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do away with that pornography stuff, and suddenly your life is, is in fact better because there's a payoff to all those things because those are things that God said, hey, you shouldn't do in the first place. So you start doing the things of God, and these outward symbols, these outward signs begin to pay off in your life, and life actually gets better. And listen, so many people will stop right there. They'll stop right there and they'll say, hey man, listen, I am a better person because of this. I'm better because of church. I'm better because I come and I I worship God. I'm a better person now. And they stop at the payoff. They think that's the payoff is being better. And what I'm saying is they found a fine pearl, but they have stopped short of something that's priceless, who is Jesus Christ. Follow me? And and, and listen, it's not just there. I mean, although although this one too is now mixed up. By the way, these are all entangled together in our world today. I I would say wealth is another one of them that has now been entangled with religion. Uh, There's this whole new movement called the prosperity gospel that really isn't new because it goes all the way back to the book of Acts and a guy named Simon the sorcerer who wanted to add Jesus to his life so that that he could perform miracles. And so he, he wanted to pay off, right? And so there's this prosperity gospel movement that tells you that because God loves you, because you're his 
child. His goal for your life is to prosper you, to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. And they're going to use Luke chapter 6, uh, which is actually talking about in context, forgiving people and not judging people. And they're going to say, uh, because it does say, if you give, God's going to give back to you, pressed down, shaken, uh, shaken together, and, 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 uh, and overflowing, right? And so they're going to use that test and go, well, God's goal for your life is prosperity. And so a lot of people, guys, when they begin to get prosperity and wealth, and because they're in church, they're getting religion, and they're a better person now because they're a better person and now they're a richer person, they think that they, that's proof that I've got it. That's proof that I found it. Look, my health is good. My bank account is good. That's proof God is blessing me. I have found God, right? I, I have found God. And the truth is what they found is blessing, but they may have stopped short of the blessor, right? And, 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 and listen, man, we, we can keep going. We can keep, there are tons of fine pearls in the light in, in this world. The education is a fine pearl. It really is. Man, it's good to be educated. I'm glad that we, we want education for our kids. But like the, the, the average kid right now that comes out of college is carrying like $40,000 worth of debt. And some of them got degrees and jobs that can't make $40,000 a year. Right? But we've pressed that upon them. We've told them that's what gives you value, not Christ. Right? And so we have these people walking around when they can't find a job that pays them well, uh, believing that they're not good enough. And they believe they're not good enough because we, because we are the ones that have, have decided this is the fine pearl that matters. This thing called education, you've got to have four years, got to have eight years, right? I mean, and, and so I'm just telling you, listen, this is messed up stuff. And, and, and I just want you to know, this is the enemy's plan, is to put out before you many fine pearls that in and of themselves are good, that in and of themselves you could spend your life seeking after, but none of them are priceless. All of them fall immeasurably short of having a relationship with Jesus Christ, which then makes you a child of God. It, 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 it gives you a second birth. It makes you an heir to the kingdom. Amen. Right? All of those things fall immeasurably short. So, so I, I think the second point, I would just warn you, like it is really, really possible to waste your life seeking fine pearls instead of seeking the pearl of great price, who is Jesus Christ. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, cool. All right, third point. Third point, we'll be done. We may wrap up early, you never know. And if I wrap up early after vacation, something's broken with me. I should have been storing it up. Last thing I want you to know, guys. To enter the kingdom of God, you must joyfully and wholly give yourself to Jesus. To enter the kingdom of God, and we're talking about the kingdom of God. Yes, remember, that's the whole point. In Jesus, the future realm of the kingdom has invaded this evil present age. That means that we can have a taste of the kingdom right now. To enter the kingdom right now, to do that, you have to wholly and joyfully give yourself to Jesus Christ, okay? And so, uh, verse 44, again, I don't have it on the screen, I'll just read it. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found... And he reburied. And then, get this, in his joy. Right? Did it say begrudgingly he went and, and he sold off everything? Man, he was so ticked to find that treasure. That ever happened to you? You're at the grocery store, you know, you're, you're at, yeah, you're at 7-Eleven and, and, and just at the last second you see one of them tickets right there. And you go, oh, I guess I'll take one of those. And, and it says, man, you won the jackpot. Right? You won the mega millions. You're like, Dad, gum it. I'm going to have to sell my house. 
I can't believe it. I'm going to have to get rid of my favorite car. I'm so upset that I'm going to have to pay off those bills. I'm not going to have a relationship with all those debt collectors anymore. I'm so angry. But you know what? I've met some people in church that act that way. They run across a treasure and they are kicking and screaming that they've got to change their life. They are angry and upset that they don't get to call the shots. They're really, really mad that to be a part of it, they got to forgive other people. <laughs> and yet, here's what the text says. It says, listen, to enter the kingdom, you got to joyfully and wholly give yourself to this person named Jesus. Joyfully and wholly. Listen. If somebody has to sell you on the kingdom of God, if that's, if that's what happened to you, if somebody was like, hey, you, you've got to do this today, and if you do this today, and you accept Jesus today, you pray this prayer today, you're going to run faster and jump higher, score a better grade on the SATs, you're going to get a better job, you're going to be better. If somebody sold you on Jesus, you may not have gotten Jesus. You might have bought into some kind of pyramid scheme of religion. Because Jesus doesn't need a salesman. Jesus, Jesus is of immeasurable worth. His, his value can't be put into words. And he doesn't need somebody as a spokesperson to stand up and to try to, to sell uh, himself to you. Like That's not how Jesus works. See, that's, that's actually what we call really bad theology. And, and here's how broken that theology, that, that, that type of thinking about God says this, that Jesus is a pearl. He's a pearl, and, and because he is a fine pearl, all you have to do is pray a little prayer. If you pray that little prayer, you will add another fine pearl to your collection. Right? And dude, that is out there in the world. There, there are people all over the place who stand in pulpits like this, and they will declare, all you need to do is pray this little prayer. I think Lifeway wrote it. Just, just pray. Uh, ABCs, admit that I'm a sinner, believe that Christ died for me, uh, commit my life. Like, dude, you just ABC it, buddy. And if you pray this prayer, you come forward, we stick you in the water. Like, you're good, man, you're golden. You don't have to do anything else. That, like, they almost add that line. That's all you need is Jesus. You don't have to do anything else. And yet the gospel does not declare that Jesus is a fine pearl. It declares that he is the pearl. He is the pearl of great price. And so what the gospel teaches, and, the, and so if you want to see, like get in the field with me today, all right? Because here's the field. The field is that we are fallen creatures. Right? The, the field is that we have rebelled against a, a holy God who loves us, made us in his image. And so we've rebelled. We've sinned against God. That's, that's, so we've fallen from, from glory. We've fallen from perfection. That's, that's, that, this is the field we're in. Okay? And so not only have we fallen, it says, it says there's nothing that we can do to get back to where we were. That's, that's the truth. That's the field we're in. There's no good work that you or I can perform that will restore us back to that perfect place we once were. So that's the field where, so that is the field you're in. And then in that field, suddenly you meet Jesus Christ, right? Who, who says, listen, um, you are not, but I am right? Like, you're not, but I am. And so this Jesus has the audacity to come into this field to reveal himself to us. That's the field where we, we can't fix ourselves. He shows up and he says, hey, all of you who are weary from trying to fix yourself, come to me. Just, just come on. Just come for free. He's like, 
everybody that realizes that they're spiritually bankrupt and, and realizes how poor they just come on. You go, what? And he says, listen, if you hunger to be righteous again, just come to me. For my burden is easy, my yoke is light. He says, listen, you're not, but here's the truth. This is what you found in this field. This is what you found. You're not ready, but I am. And so Jesus shows up and he says, I am the bread of life. Like, I'm the true manna that's from, from heaven. And, and he shows up and he says, listen, I am the, the light. I'm, I'm, I'm what you need, man. I'm, I'm the light of the world. And, and I'm going to light up all the dark places of your life. And he shows up and says, I'm your door. I'm the way that you get into the fold. And he says, I'm your shepherd. Like, you don't have to find me. I'm going to find you. He says, I am your resurrection. And I am your life. And even though you die, you will not die. But you'll have the very life of God that you were intended. He says, I am the way. And I'm the truth. And I'm the life. And by the way, no one can come to the Father except by me. He says, I'm the vine. You can't do anything without me. Jesus shows up on the scene in the middle of the field uh, in our fallen condition. And he says, hey, guess what? You are not. But I am. I am. And hear me, friends, when you find that in the midst of your, your wandering, when you know who you are, and, and suddenly you stumble across that, when you spend your life trying, because we know that we're broken, and we know that we're messed up, and when you try every way to get your life right, to get yourself clean, and, and you are just worn out, and you are weary, and you run across Jesus, he says, man, you can stop trying, because I've done everything you need. And if you come to me, get this, if you come to me, if you believe in me, he's like, listen, you're going to be born again. I'm going to make you a child of God. You're going to be an heir. You're going to be a son. You're going to be a daughter. Like, you get all the glory and benefits of me. And dude, when you find that, after knowing where you are, I tell you, I think the only proper response is to go, yeah, man, I'm all in. Take it all. Let my kingdom go. God, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. That's what we're talking about, right? That's what we're talking about. Alice, can we throw up that third point one more time? I just want to reemphasize it. To enter the kingdom of God, you have to joyfully and wholly give yourself to Jesus, okay? So we'll talk about that here in the application. So I told you guys uh, in this series, I was going to ask you, uh, or there was one question that I had to answer every Sunday to preach it to you, and that question is, why does it matter? Okay, and so, so that, that thought, why, why does it matter that the kingdom of God is of immense value? It's of immeasurable, infinite value. Why does that matter? Well, first of all, it matters because the enemy wants you to settle for a cheap substitute. So my first application point for you this week is don't settle. Don't settle. The enemy wants you to settle for fine pearls, folks. It's what he wants you to do, Right? He wants to keep you busy. He wants to keep you chasing. He wants you to be, to be that pearl merchant. That's what he wants you to be. And, and guys, I think this morning, if we were honest in the presence of God, we might confess before him, we've done some of this. Amen? We've done some of this. We have a tendency to think that that next thing is going to bring us fulfillment and contentment. That, that's a sign. It's a flashing warning sign that we're not content in Christ. We're not finding the contentment we need to in Jesus. And so uh, the first thing, guys, don't settle. Don't stop short. Don't, don't settle for the blessing and miss the blesser, right? And so, so, so don't settle. That's the first thing. The second reason why I think um, 
all this matters is, is because we need grace, right? And so the second uh, point of application I'd give you this week is, is really work this week to see how God has graciously brought you to this very moment. Okay? Um, we have a tendency to forget about grace. We have a tendency to rely on works because um, we, we like to see things, right? We like to physically see, see things. And so we have a tendency, guys, to rest in our works. And some of you this morning, you walked in and you're not feeling very great with God and you're not feeling very good with God right now because your works haven't been very good because you failed. And so you walked through the doors this morning and you felt like a failure instead of a child. I'm, I'm preaching myself, nobody else, right? Because I've been there, man. I, I've, I spent years there until Jesus made it so clear to me my identity has nothing to do with my performance but completely with Christ's perfection. And so, man, I, when, I, when I come into the house of God, man, I come empty-handed. I always come, I'm like, Lord, start my day. God, I got nothing. But I'm so grateful I get to come and be in your presence. <laughs> like, like, when you get to that place, and some of you came in, and you didn't come in in that place this morning. You came in kind of banking your whole relationship with God on your performance, and your performance hasn't been good. And I just, I want to love you enough to tell you, listen, your performance will never be good enough. You're always going to fail. You're always going to fall short. And, and if you keep thinking that your relationship with God is about your performance, you will never fully embrace the fact that you are a child and that God is your father, right? Because hear me, my kids can tick me off, but they are my children and you better not mess with them. Amen. I'm serious. Like, I, I know. I mean, I can tell you which one's in the punk stage right now. Which, like, I mean, I, I got it. I got it, but they are my kids. <laughs> you better watch it. Some of us that walked through the doors this morning, we, we have not thought about ourselves in that light in a long, long, long time. We, kept thinking that, we keep thinking that God is somehow angry with us, that he, he's not happy with us, he's not thrilled with us. Listen, if there's sin in our life, God rightfully wants to point it out. But hear me, even when my kids do wrong things, they're my kids. Amen. You are a child of God. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that is who you are. You are a child of God, and you've you got you to rest. See the grace of God in your life. Understand that you need it, right? Um, I, really, when it comes to other people, right, and, and, and the things like, I mean, you've got to be honest. Church changes, culture changes, songs change, lights change, all this kind of thing. Gotta, man, man, be gracious towards one another. Because <laughs> when we see new people come to the kingdom, that's God just revealing that same amount of grace that he showed us oh so long ago. And so graciously see God's hand. Uh, last reason I think that it's really, really important that we understand that the value of the kingdom of God is because there has to be a trade-off. There has to be a trade-off. And so the last thing I would say to you is, man, you need to exchange your life for his. Um, some of you uh, may fall into this camp. I think uh, many of us here have, have fallen into this place where we were told that Jesus was a pearl, not the pearl. And so some of you here this morning, maybe you were raised in a church and your life kind of reflects this. Uh, you added Jesus to your life a long time ago and nothing has really changed. Like you're still you, you just got a little Jesus. And, and you, you think that you're good. And I'm just going to tell you, the Bible that I read warns me about that kind of thought because it says many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord. Did we not drive out demons and prophesy in your name? And Jesus is going to say, away from me, I knew you not. I think there are a lot of people that have been convinced that they have met Jesus and they've just become better people because they applied the principles of Jesus in their life. 
They added religion. They added the, the teachings of Jesus to their life, but they never fully exchanged their life for Christ. I'm going to tell you guys, I'm not trying to burst your bubble, but salvation, there is no salvation without an exchange. There's not. So you don't get to enter the kingdom of God without letting your kingdom go. That's, that, that's the truth of, of how the kingdom works. And so I would just, I, I think that's, that's a warning to us this morning, but it's also a great truth that we have the benefit of God's word. We get to hear that today. So maybe you're here and you're kind of a Paul, right? Which means you're a Saul currently because you haven't let God make you a Paul yet. Maybe you're here and you're a good person and, and you might be a better person than me. You, you, you might, you know, I, I mean, I don't cuss much, but um, I don't cuss hardly ever. But, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I still think things occasionally, right? And Jesus says that's a sin. So I'm just saying, like, you may never think things. Like, people may do things to you and you may, oh, Lord, bless them. God bless you. You are great. People cut me off on traffic, and I'm like, you're going to hell one day. Um, it's, I mean, it's ordained. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I just, you know, I'm just saying. I don't, I don't verbalize that. I'm thinking that thought. Uh, many of you in this room are, you're, you're better than me. Like morally, you may be killing it. Like morally, you may be a better person than me. But I'm here to tell you that's not enough to enter the kingdom. Because no matter how good you get, you can't be made perfect again. You need to exchange your sinful life for the perfect life of Jesus Christ. That is the only way you can be saved. And so I would just say to you, and maybe you've been here, say like, like you're like, I've been on this roll for 70 years. God bless you. That is awesome. But let's make sure that 70 years ago, you really exchanged your life for the life of Christ. Because if all you did was add Jesus as another pearl into your pocket, then what you got was religion, not a relationship with Christ. And religion will not get you into heaven. Friends, I know we do this every week. I know we meet here on a regular basis. I know it's easy to take this for granted. But the gravity of the things we're talking about today are hard to um, put into words. Please make sure that you know Christ. Please make sure that at some point you have said, my kingdom go, Lord, your kingdom come, because that ultimately is what we need. We cannot stand before God on our own merit and expect to enter the kingdom of God. We need the perfect record of Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today um, and you haven't done that, I want to tell you, listen, I know it, it, it's going to sound simple. You're going to go, he's selling it. I'm not selling it. But you, heart from, from the depths of who you are, all you have to do is cry out to God and say, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you to come into my life. I am done. I, I, I can't do this. I, I, there's no, I'm tired of falling short. I need you to come and take complete control of me. I give up my life. You now reign in me. That's what it means for the kingdom of God to come. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for loving us. And God, thank you for your word. Lord, if there's anyone here that has never done this today, would today be the day of their salvation? I pray maybe there's somebody here that's really religious. And this morning, by the power of your spirit, you've, you've, you've said to them, yeah, but you need a relationship with me, not religion. And God, today, this be the day that they truly surrender all. That's the hymn we used to sing, right? God, I surrender all. But the deal is I have to surrender all joyfully, willfully, not angrily, because I've truly discovered the treasure of the kingdom of God, the treasure of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, um, if there's anyone here, just by the power of your spirit, call them to yourself. Just do a work where you bring them to life today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.